episode of the Velo News Podcast is again brought to us by VeloSwap, the country's largest used bike swap and expo coming up Saturday, November 2nd at the National Western Complex in Denver, Colorado. Get your tickets now. Go to VeloNews.com. We got a banner on the top of the page. You can click through and buy tickets. Uh, look, you love bike gear. I love bike gear. We obsess over getting bike gear at the price that we want it. Sometimes that means buying used bike gear. You can shop on eBay and like wait through an auction. It's stressful. Maybe you're going to get the gear. Maybe not. You can buy on Craigslist. Meaning you're meeting some stranger in a parking lot. That's not safe or fun. Hey, go to VeloSwap instead. It is a soaring exhibition hall filled with bike nerds like you and me. You get to check out the gear, hold it, touch it, make sure it's in working order. Then you get to haggle over the price, come to a price that works for you with a friendly person. They're trying to get rid of that bike stuff, which means a good deal and a good price for you. I'm going to be there. The whole VeloNews staff is going to be there. So come check it out. It's Saturday, November 2nd at the National Western Complex in Denver, Colorado. I'll see you at VeloSwap. Uh, welcome back to the Mel News Podcast. Fred Dreyer here. It is Monday, October 7th already? How did that happen? I feel like the Tour de France just ended. Uh, we have a great episode today. No Andrew Hood today. Andy is having a little more rehab for his injuries sustained all those months ago. But instead, we have a bona fide world champion who's going to come on the show and talk to us. It's Megan Jastrab. Uh you could pronounce it Yastrab, she said, too. Apparently, that's the Slovakian pronunciation. She calls herself Megan Jastrab, the recently crowned junior world champion. And we're going to talk to Megan all about her big victory in Yorkshire. She's going to break it down for us and talk to us. Very impressive. Um, she remembers all the thoughts that were going through her head and the strategy she employed to win that rainbow jersey. We're going to talk about the options that Megan has going forward in 2020. She is going to be uh, 18 years old in 2020, which means she can compete in the Olympics. She can compete in elite races. And that really opens the door for her to choose what career path she wants to go down. And it's really exciting. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned and listen to my interview with Megan. She's a really interesting. And, you know, when I was 17 years old, I was not this deep a thinker about anything, let alone bike races. And um, I just had a great chat with Megan. So uh, next week, we'll be back to break down Il Lombardia to talk about um, route reveal for the Tour de France and the Giro. But this week, we have Megan Jasper. My next guest on the Velonews podcast is someone I'm very excited to have them on. Uh, she is a recently crowned world champion. She is the fastest gal in the dorms there at uh, Milligan College. It's Megan Yastrab. Megan, um, we are connecting after a class. You are a freshman at Milligan Co uh, College. Uh, first question for you. I mean, are you wearing the rainbow jersey to class? Are you wearing it in the dorms? Are you just flaunting it? Are you just wearing that rainbow jersey everywhere you go at, uh, at college? Um, I haven't worn it since winning it, other than the Zwift race I rode in it. But other than that, it's just hanging up in my closet. <laughs> I feel like it would be very tempting to like, you know, just maybe just take it for a spin to the dining hall or something like that. See if uh, the uh, other kids at college, you know, if they 
it sparks some conversation. Hey, that's a cool shirt. What's up with those rainbow stripes? I feel like we just like get pointed at and be like, uh, what kind of costume party is she going to? <laughs> I think I'm going to hang them up with the track ones whenever I get back home. Put them up. Um, are there any other world champions in the dorms there for various other sports or activities that you know of? Actually, I believe one of my teammates, Madeline Bemis, um, I think she, a couple years back, she won the 24-hour solo mountain bike world championship a couple years back. Okay. So Milligan College, they're they're used to seeing some uh, cycling world champions there. And now it sounds like you, so you are you have just started classes. You're like a, a, just a couple days in, and this is a school that has a pretty good cycling program. Then, right? I this is like the fifth or sixth week of classes. So mm-hmm. I had to like leave in the middle of classes and go to the Yorkshire to race. So all the teachers have been like sending me the slides and all the classes I've been missing. My teammates and friends have been just sending me like their notes and everything so I'm just like trying to reacclimate to going back getting back to classes and like oh I have to wake up for 8 a.m.s and not just race my bike uh do you have any um professors who like raised an eyebrow at you like wait you're missing this for cycling race what is it what's going on here anyone give you a hard time for missing all that class actually no um the school's really good at like we have a lot of athletics and teams and everything. So the teachers are used to like having students miss class. I think it was kind of strange whenever I said I'm going for 11 days, but cause normally you just go for the weekend or something and miss like Thursday and Friday or something. But all of them are super supportive and very nice with letting me miss the classes, make up exams that I'm missing. And yeah, I didn't have any problems. So I'm really happy I'm here. Well, if any of them give you a hard time, Megan, I think you can just, walk into class wearing the rainbow jersey one of those days and just kind of, you know, just casually maybe like lean back, put your uh, feet up on the uh, desk and just say, hey, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you know, missed that test, but uh, I think I passed a different test. No, no, no. No getting on their bad side. No. Well, Megan, I'm really happy that you made time for us today. We're going to talk all about your world championship ride in Yorkshire. We're going to talk about your season in general and then also just the exciting stuff you have coming up, being a college freshman, being a world champion and, uh, you know, the opportunities that are out there for you in road cycling and track cycling, Olympics, mountain biking, you, you seem to race all types of bikes. But my first question for you, Megan, is this, we're 11 days or so removed from your world championship race in Yorkshire. And I'm curious, what are the images and the scenes from that race that uh, here 11 days later are most vivid? What are the memories from that race that still really stand out to you? I think my favorite part of the whole experience was the crowd. Like, I just like, even like, now that I like rerun the finishing straight and stuff like that, with everyone standing there cheering, banging on the boards. Like, you're normally there like watching a pro race and you'll be like a spectator like banging on the boards, watching like everyone go by. But like, even for the junior women, like it was such an amazing atmosphere that like, I know in the last couple of meters when I like realized that I was going to win that I like just kind of like took it all in. And that's kind of like a prominent image in my head right now. Just like, and like hearing the sound of the crowd and like seeing the finish line and like just the relief. I think that's the most prominent thing that I remember from the whole experience. Was the crowd dramatically larger or more noisy than other crowds you've raced in front of in your career? Yeah, this was definitely the biggest and loudest. It was just so amazing. I've never experienced anything. You mentioned relief there, and that's something that the announcers were talking about, how, you know, you came in as one of, 
if not the big pre-race favorite. That can put a lot of pressure on a rider. Um, was it, you know, you, you said you felt relief to win. I mean, did you feel that pressure coming in and how did you deal with it? Yeah, I think, I know a lot of people like said that I was the favorite. So that kind of like was in the back of my head. But mostly the pressure that I had in relief was like, I put in so much work with my coach. Everyone has supported me, my team, my teammates did so much work. And like, it's just kind of the pressure that you put on yourself to like, you want to perform at the biggest stage. And I knew from a long time ago that I wanted to win the road race world championship. Like it's just always been a goal of mine. So like all the intervals I did, all the long training hours, like going to class in the morning, coming back, going directly for intervals or rides, coming back, just studying, going to sleep and sacrificing, like going out with friends or staying up late and like all that paid off. I just think that was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like, it's just like that moment of like, aha, everything was worth it. And then uh, I would say so. I think rainbow stripes are very cool. Very cool moment. Uh, indeed. So, Megan, we're going to talk about this um, dramatic showdown between you and the Russian rider Gariva and, and your uh, your tactics in this last two or three kilometers. But f- before getting to that, you know, are there some moments from earlier in the race that you feel like really contributed to the victory? Um, any moments with the team or strategic moves that happened earlier in the race that you really felt set you up? For that win yeah so like the course we knew was kind of boring in the beginning it was like the only one that we only raced the junior one were the only race that didn't do any circuits at the end like we just came in and finished the last three turns of the circuit so in the beginning of the race for the first like 45 miles or 40 miles there was nothing there's no really hills nothing to break up the field except going through like two towns with a couple tight turns so we knew that through there like i was like gonna test my legs and like stretch it out a little bit there was a couple breaks. We strung out the fields, maybe dropped a few riders. But mo- for the most part, everything stayed together, and it wasn't like a hard, hard race. There were a lot of crashes, so you had to worry about that. That broke up the race, I think, the most, truthfully. But everything was kind of calm in the beginning, and then two riders got off the front for the majority of the race. But we were confident enough that for the team, we were like, if two riders go up the road, it's not like a big deal because at the finish with like 5K to go, you got the long drag and then a tight left-hand turn. And then it's like a really hard finish. Like the ending is a super hard finish. So we were like confident enough that if there was enough gap, we could bring it back with like a hard dig in the last 5k. And that's what ended up happening. Two riders were out with like, I think he then got up to like a minute and a half and we all stayed calm. We didn't waste a ton of energy. And then with like 5k to go, we were going up the long drag and they were still out there a little bit. And one of my teammates got to the front and like started drilling in, started getting a pace line going. But then everyone kind of sat up, started looking at each other. And then again, she went back up and brought the break back to like maybe five seconds. And then tax started happening and we jumped across the breakaway riders. And then we were just like looking at each other before going into the last, the sharp left-hand turn. And then it was kind of like all back together. The stress was all back. Um, and then it was just a race for the finish. Take me through that left-hand turn. You had said in your post-race interview that your big goal for um, setting yourself up for the win was trying to be in the top five, top ten going into that left-hand turn. Why did you want to do that, and how did you guys execute that plan? Yeah, so I definitely ran. We did a lot of course recons, so we knew where we needed to be. And I think normally you just think about the finish scene sprint in the last 400 meters and where you want to be and stuff. But with this course being so boring in the beginning and that it was going to be a large field going to that left-hand turn, um, it was that was like the deciding moment of the race, I think. So it was more about like 
figuring out how to get to that point and how to set myself up to get to those last few turns instead of the last sprint. That was more my focus during the race. So it was just kind of like, you have to be top five in that left-hand turn, no matter what. There's no questions about it. If you want to get, if you want to win, you want to have a shot at the podium, go through that corner top five. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> it's just like not an option to not go through a top five. But I know that Katie class with me up at the front. So we were both kind of like riding next to each other. And then attacks started happening on the outside. So we just kind of like jumped out, sprinted to the turn. And yeah, we were just up there. It was kind of like, <laughs> just go for it, waste some energy and get to the front. And yeah, it was nice because I know there was a crash at the back of us. And it happened to start raining at the end of the course when we started getting to like with 10K to go. So that turn was super slippery. And if you're in the back, someone might have overbraked, you got a gap and going through the top five, like we were on the front. It wasn't, we didn't have any gaps. So we were just right there to cover moves. The next time anyone thinks that bike racing is easy or that it's just a a sport you do with your legs and not your brain, I want you to go back and listen to Megan's answer right there. Um, So much thinking and planning and, and, and strategizing goes into just making it there for one turn, let alone the finale. I, uh, I appreciate all the thought that went into that, Megan. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of long nights of like, oh, what should I think about tonight? <laughs> Let's go back to this corner. So really, the um, the crux of this race comes down after that turn. Um, it's about 2.73 K to go or so. And the Russian uh, time trial champion, Gariva, jumps away from the field. And you make the critical decision to go with her. Take me through that decision. Was it something that took a long time to think up? Were you, were you anticipating attacks to go at that moment? Why did you go with her, Megan? Yeah, <clears throat> that was definitely one of the outcomes that I was thinking of. I had like five possible outcomes, but I knew it was going to be an attack from the bottom coming out of that turn up the hill because the hill is long enough that you can drag it out and split the field. So either A, it was going to be like everyone's going to come out, relax, and then attacks are going to happen at the bottom of the hill. But I think Reva came around at maybe first or second around the turn, and she looked back. She saw she had a gap from like, like I think third and fourth overbraked a little bit. So there's enough gap that she's like, well, I'm going to take advantage of it. And she did. Um, and I was ready for that because that was one of the outcomes. I was like, there's going to be attacks from the turn or right at the base of the climb in like 500 meters. So like I was ready to go for it. And I've had a problem in the past where I hesitate a little bit. And that was one thing that I like kept reminding myself, whatever you do, don't hesitate during this race. So whenever I saw her go, I was like, just go for it. Like, this is, this is what you thought could happen. Just ride it out and followed her. And what was surprising to me is that I looked back and we had a gap, which was kind of strange because I thought people would start chasing right then and there but it seems like no one was strung out it was like you could see like three on the front so you knew they weren't chasing too hard and Grievo just kept pulling and pulling and pulling and I was like I don't have to do any work this is strange and so then she just kept pulling up the hill and then I kind of kept looking back like being like okay if it comes back together to reduce bunch sprint I'm fine with that I don't need to really waste energy with her and spend it where like I'm just sprinting her and I um one-on-one and I was happy to go back to the reduced bunch because behind you could tell like the hill was going to wear on people and it was going to be like 15 riders. So that was fine coming if that, if that happened too. So yeah, it was, it worked out. I mean, to me, Megan, and I wrote this in a column that to me was the real pro moment. And that's the moment of the race that showed, um, how, Oh, just, it, it showed that you have, I think I wrote this. You have ice in your veins. You are a cool cucumber. I mean, it's the hottest moment of the race. It is the most pressure filled moment of the race, whether or not to chase, whether or not to pull through whatever. And you just stayed glued to Gariva's wheel and you let her do all the work. Um, take me through the decision not to come around and pull. I mean, you mentioned it there, but like how difficult was it 
to um, prevent yourself from getting on the front and wasting some energy and allowing the Russian to do all the work? Um, I don't know if it was too hard for me to do that just because I'm not like someone that likes to ride breakaways. Like I'm fine with breakaways, but like Thor Championship, I know I can sprint. So I was like, well, like let's not play, try something new at the world championship. That was definitely not something I was wanting to do. I would have been, I would have probably worked more if there was like two other riders or like one other, it was a group of three. I would have been fine with working through it, but just because it was her and I, and like, she seemed really motivated to pull. So I was like, she didn't like whenever she flicked her elbow, like to pull off, she just kept going. She didn't like just sit up and let me do the work. She kept going. So I was like, eh, you can keep going if you want. Just like, I'm fine with that. So, and I was like, I wasn't like just like fresh and ready to pounce on it. And like, was like confident that I could like work it and then still win. So, cause I knew she was so strong. Like her time trial performance was incredible with her, like missing the turn and coming back and still winning. It was just so insane. So I was like, if I waste energy and she attacks me with like the 500 meters to go, like, how can I respond? So it's like, it was just more like being comfortable with relaxing. Cause we had a gap. So if like we sit up, we're relaxing while everyone else is chasing. So whenever I go back to the field, I'll be fresher than all of them chasing. So it was just kind of like that. Be patient and don't, don't just get excited and blow all your matches and get attacked the last like final turn. Again, I mean, it sounds so easy, Megan, and I, I commend you for having, you know, being able to process this much information in the moment because I think a lot of amateur racers listening to this, people who have probably been racing longer than you have, I mean, there's always just the tempt to want to get on the front and stomp on the pedals and like be strong and especially in those, you know, dramatic, stressful moments. A lot of times the default is like, just go hard. And, uh, you know, I've watched, I watched the race as it was going on. I went wa- back and watched some replays and it just blows me away how cool you were. I mean, you famously waited till about like, I mean, what, 300 meters to go to launch your sprint. It was so close. In fact, that Gariva didn't make the medals. I mean, you escaped with the win, but the sprinters coming up uh, behind got second and third. Um, have you been, have you watched, gone back and watched the replay and seen how close it was? Yeah, so I didn't really, I knew where I was sprinting and everything, but now that I look back on it, yeah, it was a little close, but like, even so, I had like, I finished with like three bike lanes, and I stopped sprinting earlier to like post up, which, (laughs) yeah, it was bad, but like, I still had like three and a half bike lanes or something, so it wasn't too bad, but now that I look back on it and like thinking back, I could have started earlier, because I was worried, I was like, well, Grieve is so strong, I was like anticipating her sprint to be, her to have more, but then I, now thinking about it now, I'm like, she wasted so much energy pulling and getting that gap that I could have jumped earlier and been safer. But in that moment in time, I did mess up on that because if there was someone else stronger in the field, maybe I could have been caught, but it was, it was okay. <laughs> it was, I knew that everyone was tired from that finish because coming out of that roundabout, it was such a hard climb. Like we had nothing during the whole thing. So it was just basically all out that uphill. I think it was like a minute and a half, two minute climb, probably two minute climb. And then you descend down into the technical course and it, technical corners and then the 500 meters to go from the turn final turn so it was everyone was gassed and i think i could have i had a little bit more that i could have gone earlier because i think i started my sprint maybe at 200 meters to go or like 150 i don't know it was kind of late um but i was anticipating gariva to have a stronger sprint but realizing now how much work she did that she was more tired than me so 
that I could have gone earlier. Well, Megan, again, I mean, it, it sounds so easy, but um, you know, you can tell that a lot of thought and a lot of being able to process just a ton of information in the moment went into that victory. And congrats again. I mean, it was one of the most thrilling finishes of the entire world championship weekend. Uh, how did you celebrate? What was the celebration like? We went, we had fish and chips. Um, we got some gelato. We rode around. And what was the best thing is that I think for me is that I got to like stay a day extra and race a Zwift race in the afternoon the next day. But what's so nice about that is that normally we have to fly out the day after our races and we don't get to explore anything where we go and race. And I got to stay, watch the late women's race, go shopping, have coffee with a teammate in the next day. So it was really nice walking around, <laughs> buying some Yorkshire tea. <laughs> you know, Megan, you and I, we, um, I, I met you earlier this year in um, April at the USA Cycling Development House. You were over there for the first block of racing. And uh, we talked a lot about the season and what your goals were. And now catching up several months later, um, you know, you have the Road World Championship. You have... Uh, two track world championships. Um, you have multiple national championships since then. And it really seems like at this point, uh, your your opportunities for 2020 are pretty wide open. Kind of whatever you want to do. Road, track, mountain bike, even um, attempt, you know, p- perhaps the 2020 Olympics. And my question for you is, at this point, October 2019, as you look at the 2020 season, what are the pathways that you have open to you and which one is most attractive to you at this point? So now next year I'll be 18. So I'll be eligible to race all the UCI races, which will be a nice perk after I've been limited to racing with rally this year um, to like non UCI races. But next year I do have the opportunity of the 2020 Olympics on the track. So that is definitely, I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. So that is definitely like priority number one for me. I don't know how far along I can go with that, but I do want to put my best foot forward and try and go for that as I have been given a few opportunities on that path. But if that doesn't work out, I definitely have the opportunity to race with rally on all the UCI races. And I love racing with that team and the girls are amazing. So I'm definitely excited to, if the track doesn't work out to learn from all my teammates and develop as a road rider and stage racer. Now you've done a few of these track camps in which you have had the opportunity to um, ride with the women's pursuit team. That uh, famously is the team of Chloe Digert and uh, in the past Sarah Hammer and some other great riders. Um, what has that experience been like and what have been the biggest, uh, the, just the, the biggest challenges of learning to ride a women's pursuit? Oh, I love the team pursuit. It's something, it's one event that I think is just so amazing. It's like, it's not like, I always like explain to people, it's kind of like a relay on the track, like where you have like a four by 100. But the difference is, is that you all start together but you have to finish with three and it's taken off the last rider. Like, so everything has to go perfect for every single rider. Like the start, if you mess up the start, it's going to like cause a problem down the road where you get off the line slow compared to the other three riders and you're chasing the beginning. It's going to hurt you on the back end to like the last few K's of the race. So I think it's just so dynamic and you rely on each other a lot. So someone, you have to like make sure that your timing on the start, your exchanges are perfect you're breathing when you get back on. You make sure that you get back on after the effort. It's not like you pull off and you're done. You have to get back on. And it's a lot of communication and a lot of being able to go after a training effort and going back and like nitpicking everyone's ride and being just to improve each other. Lots of constructive criticism. And I think it's just so amazing. Whenever you get it right, it's 
it's it's such a nice feeling it's just like you ride so fast and it doesn't hurt as bad as like your bad rides because everything was smooth everything went to plan so I think it's such a cool experience and it's been nice going to these camps where I have like role models like Jen Valente, Chloe Diger, um, and then I have like some new riders from the road or coming over, or road riders coming over to the track and their experience and it's just so nice to have all that guidance and then also like Gary Sutton and all the support staff. <clears throat> Everyone has just been so helpful and it's just I'm so grateful that I get to be there and learn from all of them. So in the first sessions, where were you screwing up? Where was the hardest part for you? I don't know. I've done a lot of like team pursuit for juniors, so Mm -hmm. I've been used to it. But I think like there's a few efforts that we have to do where it's like standing all out. And we ride really big gears, whereas normally whenever I ride with juniors, I have to ride like restricted gears or like only big enough that everyone can push. So whenever I'm riding and I'm like one of the weak links, so you really have to like just bury yourself at every single effort and you don't want to be that person that's like pulling off and calling three. <laughs> that's the last thing you want to be- do. <laughs> so I think it was just like getting used to the gears and being like, yes, I can handle this. Like, cause I know I, there's like moments where it's like, Oh, I can actually do this, but you have to make sure that your technique is right. So you can actually show that you can stay with them. And what were the elements where you were up to speed, where you felt like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm confident here. I can actually do it. Yeah, there's a couple, like, those moments where, like, the team pursuits I was mentioning, like, whenever it goes right, it's just, flawed. like, it feels like you're floating. Like, there's no, you're putting effort down, but, like, it's just so smooth that you're com- comfortable riding the wheel. You can trust the person in front of you. And you're just kind of relaxed. So, Megan, we did a uh, story about you earlier this year about your upbringing in cycling. And, uh, you know, you grew up riding a BMX bike. You, you you seemed to indulge in all the different disciplines of cycling before you really even became a, a hardcore racer. And one of the quotes that stood out from that story was from your mom, where she said, uh, we don't do TV basically implying that your family is a very outdoor family who has been, you know, pushing the kids towards cycling for a long time. And I think some of our listeners may be moms and dads and, uh, you know, adults out there who have kids who they would love to get involved in cycling. And I'm curious, you know, looking back on your own upbringing in cycling, if you have any stories to share or even wisdom from your own experience that um, shed light on why, you gravitated towards cycling and really embraced it as a, as a kid. Whenever she says, like, we don't do TV, I think it was more because, like, my parents have always been outdoors. They would go skiing together. My dad raced dirt bikes. Um, they would go on group rides together on the road. They would go on hikes. They would always just be outdoors, take the dogs out or something. So when the kid, when my brother and I came along, they were like, well, we still want to go out and do this, but let's just do it as a family. So, like, we were always going out on hikes. We'd go for ski trips, camping, dirt biking, go for to the park, ride our bikes, run, play different sports. So it was kind of like we never really were home just doing nothing. Yeah, we would watch movies and stuff like that. But like it was never like where we didn't have something to do as a family where we would just like sit down and watch a TV show. We we're never like into that. We would always be like, oh, let's go here. Let's go for a hike. Let's go play soccer in the backyard. Let's just go do things as a family instead of just sit at home and watch TV. We were never like into that. We would always want to be active and doing something. So I definitely give credit for my parents for always uh, keeping my brother and I entertained through all those sports instead of just leaving us at home to watch a movie or something. We would always go out and do something as a family. So 
I definitely have some fond memories of going on camping trips, skiing, different places. Um, so that was probably the biggest thing that we did as a family is always being outdoors. But I think the cycling part came into being when my dad would always, he raced in college and then he just like did it on the weekends and everything. So we'd always see him go out on Saturday morning, um, leave, um, go for a ride with his friend, come back like noonish or whatever. And we'd be like, yeah, it was great. I went, saw, saw so-and-so we rode here. We did this. And like, I never even like thought about it. He would always get, he'd always buy the TV subscription for the tour de France when it was on. And I hated it. I mean, I hate it. I was like, you're wasting our time. I don't want to watch this. Let's go do something like this is stupid. They just ride for hours upon hours, climb a hill, sprint it out, whatever. It's stupid. Who wants to ride their bike for 20 something days consecutively? I, I mean, like I think back and I was just like, this is stupid. Why would anyone want to do this? So <laughs> come to me now. That's what I do. But you know, <laughs> things change. <laughs> so, no, with cycling, though, there are those moments, though, for all kids where it gets hard. I mean, it's, you know, it, maybe it's a crash or it's a long ride that you have to do that maybe you don't want to. Um, how did you overcome those obstacles, you know, in the early part of cycling where, like, where it's hard and, and there's struggle and pain? Do you remember how you got through some of those early obstacles that, you know, to be honest, oftentimes scare kids away yeah so I, I was just having a conversation with someone uh, i think yesterday about this um whenever we started we would always like ride our bikes and stuff as we were kids like just like small bikes and then we moved up to the high desert in apple valley and there was a bmx track really low close by it was like five minutes so we started we did that for like two years stopped played some other sports and then we started riding i think it was my brother who really was the one who was like wanting to ride with my dad on the weekends so my mom and dad pulled out my mom's old old bike and he started riding with my dad, like, maybe an eight-mile loop or something like that. And then I got convinced. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. My brother's doing it, and I want to try it, too. So I did that. And then finally, I think after, like, two months of, like, sharing a bike, sharing shoes, everything's the wrong size, um, we got our own bikes. And I think two days later, we did this thing called the Tour de Apple Valley. And it was, I think, 74 miles, 64 miles. I don't know. It was a long ride. And I was doing it with my dad and my brother. I didn't want to do it. I was doing the reverse triathlon the weekend before, and we're supposed to choose one or the other. I chose the reverse triathlon. But my dad was like, it's fine. We want to do this as a family. You're going to do it with us. And I was like, uh, I haven't rode that far ever. And I just remember complaining the entire ride. I was just like, this is stupid. We could have been done by now. This is more than my eight-mile loop around the block. Like, what are we doing? This? It's cold in the morning. It got really hot in the afternoon. It was windy. And I was just, like, climbing this one hill. Like, it's not a real hill. It was, like, maybe, like, three minutes. It's not even that hard. But in my mind, it was hard. It was, like, the longest thing. It was, like, Valps. Anyways, I was, like, asking my dad. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm going to walk this thing. And I was, like, I think back. I was, like, man, I was such a complainer my dad was just like it's fine you're gonna be okay you're we're all doing this together don't worry and my brother wanted to leave me like he was so fed up with me he's like let's go dad we're she can find her way and i'm like 12 but my dad's like it's fine you'll be fine like you need to walk we'll wait for you we're just gonna ride slow and stuff so it was really funny but now like after training stuff and i think having that my dad be there with me and having like someone to train with like my brother now is that like it's really motivating to push yourself and get to the point where you're suffering now i enjoy it and then see the payoff of like a few days later when you recovered from your efforts and then you're like oh i can do that it's not so bad and i think it's just the progression of learning how to suffer and how to develop from intervals and training and learning how you work and how you train 
and just develop into a better rider. So you're more comfortable racing and training and it's, it's just something that you progress throughout the years. Um, how did you feel at the finish line of that first big ride where did you, was there a sense of accomplishment or were you still like, eh, that was dumb? <laughs> I think it was more dumb and I just wanted food. <laughs> It took a long time for a 64-mile ride or 74-mile ride. It was more time than I wanted to spend sitting on a saddle for, like, my second day on that bike. I love it. Well, I mean, that's interesting, Megan. I mean, you know, looking back on it, perhaps that was a pivotal moment in your upbringing as a cyclist, the moment when it got really tough when you were having a crappy time and yet um, you found a way to push through with the support of your uh, your dad and your brother. Yeah, I think also is that my first few races, 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 were criteriums and they were like 30 minutes for juniors that was a lot more fun so i think that came to being like oh we don't have to ride our bikes at a slow pace for hours upon hours we can just do something that's fun and like fast and technical so i think that was more like the oh it's not all about the tour de france of 20 20 something stages long hours millions of miles it's like Oh, there's a different side of cycling, too. Well, for all those moms and dads out there who are uh, hoping their kid gets into cycling as well, take notes from Megan Yastrab, the uh, Jastrab, the uh, the world champion, about her own upbringing in sports. Well, Megan, I really appreciate you setting some time aside for us and taking us through the world championship ride and talking to us about your opportunities out there. Uh, we're going to let you get back to the dorms, let, get, let you get back to class because, um, hey, as a, as a freshman in college, I'm sure you have lots of homework, but also fun stuff to get to, like uh, maybe a bike ride or two. Yeah, I'm going to I leave tomorrow for California's race, the Legion Mountain Bike Nationals, which I just haven't raced a mountain bike race in like two years. So we'll see how that goes. But it's just something fun to do with the team. Well, thanks, Megan. And we will check in with you throughout the offseason to hear more about your exciting plans for 2020. Sounds good. Thank you so much.